I want to talk about um, being a Buddha, not a Buddhist. I remember, oh, I think I taught this like a year ago, but um, it kind of dovetails with what I've been talking about the last few weeks. Like last week, I talked about really how to hold all this horror that's going on in our world and, and that, that two-pronged, that for me, it became a, a, two branches. One was cultivation of, of love and compassion, and then the other side is getting into action and, you know, engaged, I believe, I, I think I said, um, I wrote a blog about it talking about how engaged Buddhism should be a term that's, that goes out of style because it's redundant. If you're practicing this, these teachings, if you're really putting them into practice in your life, you should be engaged. It's just kind of the way it is. And then I, I told the story of, um, I got a, one of email, uh, Rick Hansen's emails, his newsletter, he talked about this person, Nkozi Johnson, uh, a South African boy who was born with HIV, and he died at 12. He was 12 years old, but he had become an advocate for people with HIV and AIDS. And his quote was um, something to the effect of, do what you can with what you have and the time you have where you are. I mean, just really basic, no, nothing grandiose, but do what you can with what you have, with the time you have, where you are. Really basic, and I think that really takes a lot of um, uh, pressure off. Um, I had a lot of people comment that it was really helpful, that that phrase was really helpful because we do put so much pressure on ourselves sometimes. And so this idea of being a Buddha rather than a Buddhist, I think, rolls into that because so often we hear about, well, what's, what's the Buddhist take on that? And uh, I know we say it to each other as a joke sometimes, but if you do something or say something and the other person says, it's not very Buddhist of you or you're not being a very good Buddhist. And it's like, no, because I'm a human being, and what does that mean? It's, it's like this Buddhist, this, this icon that a Buddhist is kind of somehow perfect. Well, I think you could say the same thing with any religion, you know. If you're being a human being and you make mistakes, and you're obviously not living up to the ideal, but then no one can be an ideal. And so... Um, Looking at this concept, Buddha didn't teach Buddhism. He didn't teach Buddhism. He taught the suffering and the end of suffering. That's really all he taught. Um, and he talked about, um, you know, really seeing how we suffer and, and how we get caught up in craving and wanting things to be the way they are. And he taught about, um, oh, he also rejected... He also rejected philosophical viewpoints and dogma. I mean, he ran into some, there were so many sages and teachers walking around back then, and and the Brahmins had a lot of, you know, there was, I don't remember if the caste system was completely solidified, but it had some hierarchy, and he was really um, opposed to all of that. He allowed nuns, he allowed women to be um, ordained. That was kind of um, really... Uh, unique. Um, so he had this, 
this way of being that was really all about the practice. It was really all about the practice. He wouldn't answer metaphysical questions. He said, what does that have to do with ending your suffering right now? Really, what does that have to do with it? And, um, you know, he doesn't care about how many angels dance on the head of a pen, which they had, you know, deep conversations about monks in the Middle Ages. We needed to know how many angels could dance at the head of a pen because, I don't know, the, the world depended on that. But that's, you can get, you know, so focused on dogma that you miss absolutely the nature of the teaching. So he rejected a lot of that stuff and he proposed a way of life that was going to take you away from suffering and away from um, attachment and working towards uh, freedom. And so he taught the Dharma, the path and the way it is. Four Noble Truths, you all have been through this, right? You, you all know the Four Noble Truths. There's, there's suffering, pain, attachment is the craving, wanting yummy things all the time is, the, uh, is what's going to get you screwed and um, there's a way out and that's the Eightfold Path. I'm not quoting directly, obviously. It's, a, it's my translation, although I don't read Polly, so it's a really bad translation, but you get the gist of it. So um, it's, you know, and um, it's like a, it's a way of life, especially the, um, the part of the Eightfold Path of, you know, Sila, how to be in, um, um, in uh, relation to everybody. It's about seeing clearly what's happening, seeing how craving leads to suffering, leads to more suffering, the second arrow, the third arrow, the fourth arrow, that the mind um, takes us in the direction that's not beneficial, that causes harm, that causes more and more and more suffering. And meditation, mindfulness, is, uh, meditation is a tool to bring us into alignment with the way it is. And to really reinforce that practice of being present and cultivating a continuity of mindfulness so that we can just kind of come to a place of not having any attachment whatsoever to anything, just being really free and liberated. Um, so it's, a, it's putting the path into action. That's what he talked about. Being a Buddha is putting this practice into action. It's not just reading books. It's not just coming to class. It's actually investigating how I can apply these principles in my life. How do I do this? How do I make it? How do I, how do I find a way to liberate myself? And then taking it a step farther, I think when you are on this path, at least my experience is, when you are on this path, you are on a path of, of liberation, and then you are um, almost called to help others. I mean, it's, that's that engaged Buddhism part. It's like, oh my goodness, I, my suffering is ending or I'm able to hold the difficulties of my life with some equanimity, with some, some um, I don't want to say not complacency, but some um, I can hold what's going on without needing to change or run away. And how can I help others? You know, it's a real almost call to end suffering. That's the image of Kuan Yin who's ready to jump into action at the moment's notice. She's the 
She's the um, embodiment of compassion, the deity who embodies compassion. And I really love what she stands for. She's just ready to jump in. She hears the cry of the cries of the world. She's touched by the pain. And she's like, okay, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? How can we do this? How can we end suffering? Um, and it's a very, as I said, it's a very personal experience. We... There's the path that's laid out, but we all find our own way with it. Each one of us in this room has a different biography. We have a different set of conditionings, and we have a different way that we navigate through this. Some of us are challenged by certain things. Others are challenged by other things. So although it may not look the same for each of us, we struggle with different things. We're kind of walking as spiritual companions in this one direction through the guidance of the Buddha through the guidance of teachers who have had some integration of these teachings in their life and can say, hey, this is, this is what I have found has worked. This is what I hear. Thus I have heard. And try it for yourself. See how it works in your life. Not do this or get out. It's not dogma. It's not rigid. There are, there are Buddhists who, are, who can be very rigid, who have developed the dogma, as in any religion. It becomes rigid, it becomes dogmatic, if you disagree, you're punished. There's, in the Thai forest tradition, the Theravadan branch, the, it's, it's really awful. It's, uh, this, this lineage of Buddhism is, um, can be incredibly conservative and um, reactionary. They're, they don't for the longest time, they did not allow women to be fully ordained because they're, um, you, the story goes, you're supposed to be able to trace the lineage back to the Buddha. And there was at some point the, the lineage of nuns died out and then they started up again. I don't know how much after that. And they're like, well, since your, your line all the way back to the Buddha was broken, you can't be ordained. And so they, they lived as second-class citizens in monasteries to this day, to this day, like with Ajahn Sumedho and Ajahn Amaro as their abbot. The, the, of a, the monk who was ordained yesterday, who's 17 years old, has much greater rights than the woman who's been ordained for 50 years and been living in the monastery for 50 years. Yes. <laughs> But that's, and, and it's, um, and then there's a lot of other things, but that's, that's kind of it. So in this rigidity, this stuff that's been written down and codified that the Buddha really never taught, it's the same in, in, you know, Christianity. You know, Jesus never taught a lot of this stuff. You know, the Catholic Church teaches this, or this, this, you know, and you can trace it. Oh, they wrote that down in, you know, 350 A.D., it didn't exist before that, you know? But anyway, don't get me started. So, <laughs> But it's true in Buddhism. Again, people in the West sometimes have this magical thinking around Buddhism. It's like, oh, it's pristine. It's like, yeah, but they're killing Muslims in Indonesia and, in, 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 excuse me, in Burma, you know? So it's, uh, it's, there's people involved. You have people involved. So Buddhist and being a Buddhist and practicing Buddhism, the Buddhist teachings, are can be so very different. So to be clear on that, that to be a Buddha rather than a Buddhist. Um, yeah, I have open-minded freedom from dogma. 
You're free from dogma. You're, you're living in each moment and you find these guiding principles, the, the teachings, the Eightfold Path, the precepts, you know, the teachings on um, the paramis, um, um, you know, cultivation of generosity and um, patience and effort and wisdom, loving kindness, uh, all these things, those can be the foundation. So they're not rigid and dogmatic, but they're a guide, they're an intention. If you want to live in a way that doesn't cause harm, this is what you practice. This is how you show up. This is how you speak. This is how you interact with people. Really important to recognize that. Um, and nirvana, hibana, the result of the practice is the cessation of suffering. It's not some place we get to. So this, these teachings, this path, are letting us, taking us in a direction that we, we, we're no longer holding on to anything. Um, yeah, this te these teachings and transcend. Um, right? they, yeah, they don't. Oh, I can't read my writing. Something about isn't. Pro oh, anyway, I'm not going to try and translate my writing. Um, the other thing is um, really important is the Dharma is valid across race, gender, class, con and context. It's not fixed. There's no, um, it's unconditional. Anybody, anybody is, there's, there's no you can't, you can, you are this. It's like, no, everybody. I was, um, I had the great good fortune today to be in a, I was in, I'm on a board of directors and we had a board and staff retreat today. And this organization is a, is a, is a clergy and laity united for economic justice and they work for, with unions and, and for economic justice. And um, it's with people of faith leaders and um, community leaders <clears throat> to really uh, work for economic equity and rights of workers. and. One of the founders of the organization is a man called Reverend Jim Lawson, who is I I I looked him up on Wikipedia. I knew he was up. I knew he'd been around, but he was ninety. He's ninety, and I'm like, whoa! You would never know it. He was the man who in he started working with Dr. Martin Luther King in the late fifties, and he's the man who taught. Nonviolence to the um, original um, civil rights demonstrators, like the Southern Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and um, the other groups who did the first sit downs in um, like Nashville and and got the the really the nonviolence nonviolent aspect of the civil rights movement really embedded. So this is a man of great wisdom. And um, he's uh, uh, ordained in the Christian faith. I don't remember what denomination he is. And he was talking about this very thing today that there is, you know, all of us are created with our different gifts that make us each unique individual. So there is nothing in this world that says you don't belong. There's nothing. He doesn't believe there's anything in the teachings, in the Christian teachings that say you don't belong. You know, and so I, a lot of what he was saying, I could say, that's the Buddhist teaching that I follow. That's the Buddhist teaching that I follow. That's the Buddhist teaching that I follow. So that there's this, this um, 
this this place of synchronicity that we come to saying this is this is what's important this is what's important it cuts across all these things and when people are suffering um we work to end suffering you know he could he had some he said what they read at the first meeting of clue back in the 90s was um some some scripture uh talking about he I, I, again i don't remember exactly the quote but whoever takes bread away from a man is a murderer if you take you know bread if you deny a man his daily bread or whatever you are a murderer so to have that frame of reference you know belief of economic justice is one of the most important things we can do because it's the Hey, don't get me started. Um, it's 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 the uh, root of so much uh, pain and suffering in our world. So much suffering because of this economic injustice and what do you call it? Plantation capitalism. You know that this country is is founded on that. And to really be uh, aware of what is really happening and to fight what's really important. Um, and it was really a thrill to hear him speak and, and know that what I practice, these teachings are right in that realm, right in that realm. And so to, you know, where there, I talked last week about the bodhisattva ideal of, you know, um, putting off your um, awakening until all beings have been um, uh, being, beings are numberless, I vow to save them all. You know, I'm just going to say that one. It's like, they are uh, numberless, but I'm going to get all of them. Even though they can't be counted, I'm going to save every single one. So it's this intention that we set for ourselves. That's being a Buddha. That's not being a Buddhist. It's being a Buddha. Um, yeah, so it, the Dharma is valid across all race, gender, class, context. It's not fixed. It contains effort, commitment, relinquishment, and realization. You know, it, it, it requires effort. All of this stuff takes effort. None of it is, is done in a single day. I mean, this man that I talked to, he's been working since the 50s. He's, 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 he's not done yet. He's, he's going to die before it's done. Right? You know, we all are. We all are going to die before this work is done. But that doesn't mean we don't do it. And we, we make the effort, we make the commitment, we let go, we practice renunciation, relinquishment of what we see doesn't serve us, and we cultivate realization. And we realize the further we, long, the, the further we walk along this path, the more things become clear. I mean, if we're making the effort and doing the practice, things become clearer to us. We see more clearly. Shit that used to fly doesn't fly anymore. You know, we were talking about um, today in our organization, talking about, um, you know, the, uh, in bringing board members on and, and so on, um, really bringing, naming inclusivity and um, uh, uh, diversity across every line, LGBTQ and race and gender and, and everything. And um, talking about, you know, really setting it down and saying, you know what? If you don't believe these things that we believe, then maybe this isn't the right organization for you. To really set down some really clear 
um, statements and boundaries in a certain way, saying, no, this is actually, if you want to be part of this organization in a, in, in a role that is important, you need to actually buy into this stuff. It's almost like, you know, you get to a point where it's like, you believe the earth is flat? I am not having a conversation with you, okay? Really simple. Really simple because it's not flat. Period. End of the story. If you don't believe that everybody deserves this equality, then we're not having a conversation. It's just there's no way, shape, or form. And to see clearly how our... Um, Conditioning sometimes leads us in that this, the, that way, even though we're not clear about it. The more we practice, the more the, the dust is removed from our eyes. So it's really important to see that. Um, and, and walking this path brings us to that place. You know? Another piece about this, this kind of uh, reflection on being a Buddha, not a Buddhist. There's all these questions about, I know you probably get it too, I get it a lot. What's the Buddhist view on, or what's the Buddhist answer to? Like, there's only one answer. It's like, well, here's what the Buddha taught. You know, here's what the Buddha taught. It's like, as he said on his deathbed, um, be a lamp unto yourself. Find ahipasiko. Find your own way. You know, he did say, don't kill. That's pretty, pretty, pretty um, um, clear. Don't take what's not offered. There are some things. So sometimes things are very cut and dry, but there's also other things. Like with right livelihood, people struggle with that. You know, the Buddha said, don't be a butcher. Don't deal in arms. Don't deal in, in um, intoxicants. Don't, don't, don't deal in flesh. Um, and, you know, today some people have jobs that they don't feel maybe fall into right livelihood in some way, shape, or form in their own idea. But you can't just say quit your job because then you put yourself and your family in harm's way, perhaps. You know, you need to also support your family. So there's this balance. There's this awareness of, of you know what, what's the most beneficial path to take? How do I find out for myself what makes the most sense? That's really, that's, this is a, this is a, a very, um, the word that just came to my mind, this is a very adult practice. It requires really being accountable and responsible. You know, it's really saying, it's on me, my bad, or my good. You know, it's not all crap. It's also owning when we are, when we are, when we have um, something to offer, I mean, there's no, you know, false modesty in this. It's it's this place of equanimity, saying, you know what? That's I actually am good at that. I'm not saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm saying, no, this is a quality that I have that I can share with the world. How can I help you? How can I use what I have to to help you? So there's a there's a this equanimity and this um, this place of personal investigation. So it's a personal practice, but a practice that we utilize in, in dealing with the world. Um, yeah. Uh, the Dhamma encourages, encourages us... <laughs> I, my first reading of this says, the Dhamma encourages us to be wake... The Dharma encourages wakeful and thoughtful chaos, mm. but it's not chaos. It's um, choices. 
<laughs> I think I like chaos. It encourages wakeful and thoughtful choices. As I was just saying, we have to choose wisely. What is the most beneficial way here? It's not like we're not robots, we're not fundamentalist robots. We're thinking people who have a lot of things that we have to pay attention to. Um, we have to let go of our craving for pat answers and plunge into meditation that kindles direct awareness of reality beneath transient forms. We plunge into meditation that kindles direct awareness of reality beneath transient forms. Those transient forms are those, those conditions, that, that, that those glasses through which we view the world that are a part of our story, our upbringing, our belief system, our implicit bias. Um, we have to really be willing to see that clearly. And that cultivation of mindfulness is how we get there. Really being able to, willing and able to sit with the crap. You know, sit with the crap as well as the yummies. Because they, 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrow. Is that a quote? Sit with the crap mm -hmm. as well as the Emmys? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bumper sticker? <laughs> so, so those are my um, little thoughts on that. So um, what does being a Buddha, not a Buddhist mean to you?